0: Welcome to the SLP Talk Show, real talk with Carrie about stuff that really matters.
1: Hey, it's Carrie, your fast-talking, speech-therapy-loving host. While you are driving, cleaning, exercising, or whatever it is you do while listening to podcasts, I'm going to be chatting about pediatric speech-therapy stuff. But I don't want our time together to feel like work or be boring. You already work enough, and you already have enough boring stuff to do in your life. So let's get going and have some fun. Hello, and welcome to another episode of SLP Talk Show. This is actually episode number 23, and uh, 23 is actually my favorite number. Is it? Yeah. Do you have a favorite uh, number as an adult?
0: Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's from a kid, from when I was a kid.
1: Yeah. What Your favorite number is three, am I right? Yeah. Because three. that was the number you wore when you played sports?
0: Yeah, and I'm one of my favorite players, so yeah.
1: Yeah. So 23, you know why it's my favorite number. It's your birthday, it's my birthday, and it was Michael Jordan's number, and so Mm -hmm. I just think those are reasons enough. So it's the 23rd episode. So to celebrate, Jim and I are actually going to oh, yeah, crack open a a little beer. So, cheers, cheers! Cheers, it's summer. Um yeah,
0: so we've been a little lax. We
1: have been a little lax and we apologize. We've been on
0: the road a little bit too. So yeah, that's been, part of it.
1: We've been, you know, but. doing summer stuff and our son Aaron, um, if you follow me on social media, you know that Aaron worked at the zoo this summer and uh he just retired.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he retired <laughs> from his job. So yeah, yeah. uh He, he, uh, he's, he's enjoying it now. He's enjoying just some, some quiet time, you know, he's He's, he's catching up on his reading. Yeah. He's, uh, (laughs) you know, doing all those things that we would like to do someday.
1: Someday. So Aaron works six weeks at the zoo and he had an awesome experience and now that he's retired mm-hmm. he has informed us that when he graduates from high school he's decided he doesn't want to work at the zoo because there's too many bugs that bite you there. He had too many bug bites this summer.
0: He did have a lot of bug
1: bites. Yeah so he's decided now he wants to work at the library so yeah. I don't know where this is gonna probably go. Right because there's
0: <laughs> less chance of bugs biting yes. him. I mean there's probably still a chance. There's but. probably
1: a chance but he wants to work indoors where there are not you know, a high probability of, of getting bit by bugs, but also because he said it's quiet. Yeah. And that just tells me he knows. You know, knows... And I di- I'd never
0: even, Mm-mm. I never even thought about that. That maybe he knows it what his
1: nervous system can handle. So. Yeah, so. Um. Anyways, twenty third episode. Before we get started, we must, of course, start with a very quick game of chump or champ. So Jim, um, let's see if you can <clears> go four. Sorry, for I was four. taking a drink there. Yeah. 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 The beer's tasting pretty good. It, it's, it's pretty good. I'm, I'm having a Corona Light. Corona Light. I'm having a Mic Ultra because Mic Ultra. it's the middle of the day. So, yeah. you know. Here we go. Jim, question number one. How many baby teeth does a child usually have?
0: 16.
1: No. 20. No. You were close. I didn't I know, know the answer to that. You'll know this one. Which president resigned after the infamous Watergate scandal?
0: That was Nixon.
1: That was Nixon. How many months? Oh, if you get this one, I will Okay. buy you a whole like six-pack of beer, okay? Um
0: Oh. Well, wait, wait a minute. <laughs>
1: okay, maybe a How do you pack? How do
0: you set it up like that and then you just stop at a six-pack?
1: <laughs> okay, I'll buy you not a new car. I already offered you that once. Um I don't know. I'll buy you something all I don't know. Just listen to the question. A boat, okay? maybe. Because you're gonna laugh. Because I've tried to teach you the song that goes with this. Oh no! How many months of the year have 31 days? Oh my gosh!
0: <laughs> Do I have to name the months?
1: Well, I want to hear you go through it and no. figure out how many there are.
0: Uh, let's see. Uh,
1: He's counting with his fingers.
0: Seven? No, six.
1: Oh, you were so close. It was seven. Seven. Dang it. See, I've tried for... We've been married 29 uh. years, and I've tried to teach him 30 days, half September, April, June, and November. All okay. the rest have yep. 31. But that's, February has that's 28. That's your job to remember. Except it's on leap year, it has 20.
0: It's my job to remember that mittens...
1: <laughs> and gloves are don't different.
0: <laughs> have fingers, and that gloves do.
1: I will never remember that as long as I live. Okay. So
0: I still... It's just shocking I know shocking look
1: there are a lot of things shocking about my brain okay <laughs> alright so we are going to move into our our episode we're going to talk about important stuff now are you ready
0: yes I'm so, wait, did so I, did, ready
1: did, did you answer all the questions I
0: don't know I, I mean there's that, that, only like three? three I think I don't
1: know I, what's wrong with me oh my word oh you'll know this one how many gospels are there in the New Testament
0: four
1: four so you got two out of four two out of four So fifty percent. You are a chump. I'm sorry.
0: I'm batting five hundred. You're batting five hundred. That's pretty good. Hall of Famer. You are
1: a Hall of Famer. Absolutely. (laughs) Chump
0: Hall of Fame. (laughs)
1: a jump hall of fame. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, so we have been talking recently uh, about the birth of three world and providing early intervention services. So, what I wanted to talk about today was what routines based intervention is and what it looks like. And to be honest with you, this is something that I think is important even after. H3, you know, after the birth, the Mm -hmm. three early intervention world, but it's very hard to work on in a clinic setting or in a school setting. So early intervention is really just kind of set up to work on uh, teaching young children new skills during routines that naturally occur, right? Right? So instead of the way we used to do early intervention was pack a bag of developmental therapy toys Mm -hmm. and take it into the child, the family's house and dump it out on the living room floor sorry i had a little episode there dump it out on the living room floor and do direct therapy with the child right i don't know what was that i was just thinking about something
0: oh my gosh
1: sorry it is summer um Uh, but, and now what we do in early intervention is we don't need to sit down because play is one of many routines that happens in a young child's day, right? It's a great routine and a very positive, happy routine, Mm -hmm. but play is not the only routine. Uh, play with toys is not the only routine that happens in a child's day. So we look at other, uh, routines, interactions, and activities that happen, uh, within the context of that family's. Day, So we really are looking at each family as having a culture all its own, right? So um, our family culture is going to be different from our neighbor's family culture because the way we spend our day is is certainly different. So what we want to talk about is um, really helping the young child learn meaningful skills in meaningful ways with the important people in their life. So I had a family that was here last week uh, doing an intensive with me. They come and they stay in a, yeah. in a, um, not a hotel, but uh what do you call those places that you rent? Airbnb. Um, an Airbnb, thank yeah. you. Um, stay in an Airbnb, and then I would go and spend, you know, three to four hours uh, doing... Um, You know, working with the family, doing a lot of parent coaching. And we would go out in the community occasionally and all of that. Uh, And so this little guy is almost four. And one of the things that we were talking about was they were concerned about his you know difficulty with fine motor skills he Mm -hmm. doesn't like to color he doesn't know even you know isn't using a utensil yet um you know like a spoon and a fork absolutely has no idea how to use scissors things like that so um uh, mom was telling me that you know they've tried like introducing let's say scissors in like you know occupational therapy in the clinic setting and he just gets very upset he doesn't want to cut on the dotted line you know, on a piece of paper because that's kind of a therapeutic way to work on it Mm -hmm. and so i just said to mom i said well a we need to figure out you know maybe he needs spring loaded scissors maybe we need to look at you know some scissors that are going to be easier than just traditional scissors but maybe having him open his own fruit snacks maybe then there would be some motivation behind oh, learning yeah. to do it so you know i was trying to give her ideas like think about instead of teaching the skill in a therapeutic way which is what we do in a clinical setting of let's think about how we can introduce skills in, um, a, a way that is more relevant and meaningful to the child. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yeah. So, um, you know, it, we could say, oh, here's some, um, here's our speech, you know, uh, target word. I want you to practice having your child say this word, like, you know, have him sit down and do his speech homework and say this word, you know, 10 or 20 times. Well, how fun is that? Repetitive speech practice is about the most boring thing, you know, on the planet. And so instead of doing that, it's better to embed that speech target into some naturally Occurring activity. Maybe you can figure out how to embed a target word into bath time, you know, or if it is playtime, popping bubbles. So we can do maybe we're working on final consonant deletion. So we can do pop, 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 and we can pop hundreds and hundreds of bubbles. And it makes sense why we're saying that word over and over and over instead of just saying, okay, buddy, I'll hold up 10 fingers. I want you to say the word 10 times. Right. That's where we tend to get pushback, you know, from Mm -hmm. young children who are like, um, not relevant, not meaningful, not fun. Kind of weird. Yeah, like kind of out of the blue, like just not natural, right? Mm-hmm. Another example would be, um, let's say uh, the physical therapist has encouraged the family to have the child practice stepping up onto and then off of a little step stool. I used to work with a little girl um, years and years ago named Gabrielle, and that was one of the things they wanted her, you know, to build strength. She couldn't do stairs on her own, so they mm-hmm. wanted her to practice stepping up, um, you know, on just motor planning, but also, you know, building strength and and being able to step up and step down. Well, just getting her to practice it during physical therapy would lead this little girl to have just significant meltdowns because she didn't understand why she was doing it and to Mm -hmm. ask her to do it repeatedly over and over and over it didn't make sense so instead we put the little step stool underneath the light switch on the wall. And so every time we would walk into the kitchen, you know, while I was there in therapy, but then the family could do this when I wasn't there. Every time we walked in, we'd ask her to turn the light on. And she thought it was the coolest thing ever. She felt so like we gave her um, a competent role, which is what my good friend, Linda Murphy, who wrote the book, um, the co-regulation handbook, she calls that give the child a competent role. And so for her turning on the light, to go into the room where the family was going, that Mm -hmm. was her competent role. So she felt proud, right? Because she was participating, but it also helped build her motor skills, right? Her strength. But there was
0: a purpose behind it. There was a
1: purpose behind it. And so that's why I am such a huge proponent of routines-based intervention, is we should be finding ways to address and introduce meaningful skills, but we need to do them in meaningful ways. Sure. Right? Yeah. Okay. Like if
0: you could make a game out of it or something. Well, yeah.
1: Or it doesn't even have to be a game because that makes it seem like we're playing. It, it just means it has to be routines Don't aren't always play, right? It can right. be mealtime. It can be sure. bath time. It can be any routine. But it's not
0: just sitting there...
1: Doing it in a rote right way. Yeah just, yeah, yeah, just
0: stepping up and down.
1: No, because what's the point of that? I remember um, uh, there was a little boy that I used to work with, and uh, the family was instructed to have the child practice walking up and down the stairs, alternating feet. Because what he mm-hmm. always did was would have always lead with um, you know the right foot, and so they wanted him alternating, you know, because know whatever that's an important you know it's it there's one leg that's stronger than the other and so Mm -hmm. for kids who have weakness in one leg they will not alternate their feet well this old guy was getting so frustrated that they were walking upstairs just to turn around and walk downstairs just to turn around and walk back upstairs just to turn around and walk back downstairs and finally he started having massive behaviors when the the early intervention provider would show up he was like crying and fussing because now he had stress right Right. because he's like i don't understand what this is so we thought about Where could he practice that more naturally? And in their backyard, they had a a little slide. Well, guess what you do? To go up and down the slide, you Mm. naturally climb up, and we encouraged him by tapping the back of his knee, you know, to alternate, right? That was the the physical cue. But we encouraged him to climb up the stairs. Then he got to slide down. And Mm -hmm. then what do kids naturally do? They run over and they do it again and they climb up and they, I mean, and so (laughs) that's really what this is all about when we talk about routines based intervention. So when we think about what kind of routines, routines exist in a family's day. We tend to always kind of think about the main ones. Oh, like, um, you know, mealtime. That's certain. that happens three times a day. If you add snack in, you're looking at four yeah. or five. Or sometimes sure. for some kids, it's like 19 snacks a day. right? 19? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, there's a lot of kids who just graze all day long. So snack time is like a perpetual thing would for have some I loved kids. that as a kid. Yeah, you would have, wouldn't you? So we have meal time. I think bath time is a common routine that everybody wants to talk about. But um I, I want to just share with you. I came up with a list of everyday routines that serve as learning opportunities. So getting dressed. And obviously then at night getting undressed, right? Okay. This little guy that was in town for my for the intensive, um, he's almost four and he doesn't really have any independence with dressing. And so as when I, because I would get there every morning early and we would work, you know, at breakfast first and then he would, we'd brush teeth and then he'd get dressed. I showed the parents how just to like put the shirt on his head and maybe start to tug it and then kind of stop. And of course he's like someone turned the lights off. So he Mm -hmm. naturally, you know, pulls it all the way down. And then I would, you know, cue him to put one arm in, but I wouldn't push it all the way through. I would get it halfway and then I would stop and he would finish it. Um, Pull his pants halfway up, let him, you know, that kind of thing. And so just showing parents how this is his competent role right now. and He's going to become more independent over time, but we want to give him that role. So dressing and undressing, diaper changes, taking a bath, I think people forget about we talk about mealtime as being a routine but what about meal preparation? Think of all the routines that you know all the skills that you can work on as you're stirring and measuring and right. pouring, you know, things like that. So meal preparation, any kind of eating whether it's snack or mealtime, cleaning up after meals. Oh my goodness, that's a wonderful way to get children to interact. Um, in a safe way with foods that maybe they're not very comfortable eating but maybe they scrape food into the garbage can after mm-hmm. you know they eat or maybe they wa- uh, wipe the table and so they have to deal with crumbs you know and things like that uh, brushing teeth getting the mail that's one of my favorite routines like a lot of times adults go out and get the mail while the child is napping why wouldn't you take your child with you you know and you can practice walking through the front yard on uneven surfaces you can look at the numbers on the mailbox if you have one like we do where they Mm-hmm. like a community um, bank of mailboxes and find the right number. Um, you know, you can have the child carry the mail. When you get inside, they can count how many pieces of mail there are. I love saving, uh, right now it's almost election time here in Missouri, and so we're getting all those, I call it junk mail, but you know, the postcards right. that have like, uh, vote for me because yeah, ca- I'm not a criminal. Yeah, campaign slogans, slogan yeah, yeah, all that yeah. stuff. But they're on a really sturdy... It's not paper. It's like cardboard, you know, because it's like postcards. That is the greatest thing for children to practice snipping with scissors because uh, it doesn't, you know, fall or kind of flap in the wind if you will like a regular piece of paper does playing with the dog or feeding the dog you know just thinking about all the the things you can do with that playing with toys cleaning up toys getting in the car meaning instead of carrying your child and putting them in let them walk to the car right um we open the car door and allow them an opportunity to climb into the car climb Mm -hmm. into the car seat you know those kinds of things running errands gosh there are so many things i will say the grocery store is probably my favorite place. To help children um, uh, build vocabulary, and you know, you right. can take a list. Yeah. And I mean, there's just so much you can do there: uh, playing outside, reading books, grocery shopping. Gosh, just uh, you know, so yeah, you're at the grocery store. You've got your list. You you can count how many items you need. Um, put them in the cart. Um, uh, you can carry the items in the house. The child unpacks the bags, helps you put them away. So you're sorting them. I mean, gosh, we could go on right. and on. Yeah. All the skills you can you can uh, think of with that. Doing laundry. Right, I mean, but they're talking not about... out
0: of all these things are not out of context.
1: No, they're in context, right. right? So if we're folding laundry and you're like, "Oh, look, here's Daddy's big sock. Oh, can you find a, a, a you know, a match? Oh, you found right. it. There's two of Daddy's big black socks. And, now and, look, here's and, a little red sock. Yeah, instead right?
0: of sitting there and finding a matching game,
1: yeah, to or play, you downloading can play... an app,
0: right? Or yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. -hmm. Absolutely, I'm saying it's
0: 3D. You're you're touching it. You're using different senses. All those things, right? right? And
1: it's it's um it's what I want to say, it's doing. It's not observing. It's actually, it's It's, participation. It's in the real world. It's not
0: 2D on a screen.
1: Right, exactly. It's participation-based. And so that's what routines-based intervention allows us to do is allow children to learn naturally and it allows parents to realize that they don't have to set aside special time to teach their child fine motor skills or teach them gross motor skills or teach them communication skills. You don't have to set aside special time. Your daily routines provide plenty of learning opportunities for your child.
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: Right? So that's what this is all about. Um, and so, uh, like i'll just give you one other example in this in this set of handouts my early intervention handouts so let's talk about dressing and undressing this one just gives like very specific things you can offer your child choices about what to wear you can teach vocabulary by labeling each clothing item you can give simple directions like get your socks or take off your shirt mm-hmm. right following directions yep. you can encourage your child to be as independent as possible like zipping their own jammies maybe pulling off their own socks whatever it is you can help your child get started but avoid doing the entire task Mask, like I talked about with my little right. friend. You can Pull
0: push near yeah. their arms through and right. all that absolutely. stuff. Right,
1: yeah. absolutely. Um, you can have the child stand up to get dressed um, instead of, you know, lay them down. This is a great way to have them work on balance, you know, mm-hmm. and being able to uh, think about the whole child. So uh, I just I just wanted to kind of open up this this conversation a little bit and get you guys really thinking uh, about the power of routines-based intervention. So in order for this to be effective, what you as the provider have to do is you have to know the family's routines, right? Right. You can't assume. So like, this is the example I love to give. I can't walk in and say, when you read books to your child, I want you to do X, Y, and Z. First, you have to find out, do you read books to your child, right? You can't assume anything. So you can't say when you're sitting on the floor playing with blocks, you first have to find out, do you sit on the floor and play with blocks? Because our job is not to come in, do any kind of parent shaming, and tell parents, you need to play more, you need to read more, you need to, you need to, you need to. No, 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 no. We're not here to tell you that your way of parenting is wrong. We're Mm -hmm. here to help you find ways to support your child's learning and development during whatever it is you do during the day, right? right? So, um, uh, you know, there are some parents who will say, I didn't know reading to my child at such a young age was important. So I'm not saying we're not gonna explain, you know, that reading aloud is helpful to young kids. Um, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying, you can't just say when you do X, try Y strategy. You first have to know what does their day, what do their daily routines look like? What is a day in the life of-
0: are if you're saying that. That you want something that's not in their routine, well then you're adding that to the routine. And maybe that is more stressful for the child, maybe it's more stressful for the parent.
1: Parent, guaranteed. You know,
0: and maybe, you know, it doesn't get done as often because it's not really and truly a part of their routine. It's not.
1: It's not. You've added something additional. So you're Mm -hmm. basically leaving homework, saying, I want you to sit down three times this week and play blocks with little Joey. And the parent is now stressed because I will tell you, I've had a lot of parents open up to me and say, I just really don't know how to play with him. When I try to play with him, he just wanders away or he cries or, you know, and so when you ask me to sit down and play with him, and what's interesting is if you don't have an authentic relationship with the family, they're not going to feel comfortable telling you they don't do it they're mm-hmm. going to say oh yeah it went fine or oh it didn't work and that's work. why you
0: can't sit there in judgment no there's because no judgment because if you sit there in judgment then they're not going to tell you because they don't want to no. be judged
1: right because they're going to be like well we tried but or oh that doesn't work he doesn't yeah. like blocks or so what it then comes back to then is the parent feels guilty for not being able to quote unquote work with their child so what they say is can you come twice a week can mm-hmm. you come work with him twice a week because he works really good for you but he won't work right. for me right. when I hear parents use the word work for me I know some someone Somewhere along the way, there has been a miscommunication because right. parents shouldn't be working with their children, sure. right? And no, that's and, the and power it, of routines space. And that's
0: probably there's some anxiety behind those comments too that, okay, I, I can't get him to do this right. stuff.
1: So I'm not even going to try.
0: So. You know, I give up.
1: Well, and that's why this family that comes from Mississippi, um, the the mom and dad are like so uh, wonderful to tell me like we just love watching you do it first and then help us do it successfully. So that's what coaching is all about. I intentionally mm-hmm. model for the family, um, and then um, after our, after me and the child have had success, mm-hmm. I'm the professional, the skilled professional using right. my strategies. We've had success. Now he has experienced because he's experienced success. He has. Has more confidence sure. and confidence breeds competence. So then I switch roles. So now instead of me helping the child, mom came in the next day and helped him get dressed, okay. helped him use a fork, all these things that he was doing for me that he wasn't doing for them. So that's what coaching is that okay, now you step in and I'm gonna step back and I'm gonna give you feedback on what to do, how to do it, you know, how did that go, what did you think about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the family was only here a week and it was just amazing all the things Hudson was doing more independently after. Five days. I mean, it's just amazing that in five days, but it's because I work directly with the parents, right? It wasn't about me sitting down and working directly with the child. So to do routines-based intervention, these are the things you you have to know. And this comes from Robin McWilliams' routines-based interview, RBI, routines-based interview. Mm -hmm. You just need to know what time of day the routine occurs, what the child is doing during the routine, what everyone else is doing, Mm -hmm. how much the child participates, how independent the child is, what the child's social interactions with other people looks like during that routine, and then what the caregiver's expectations are for the child during the routine. Okay. Right? So there's this whole kind of, there's these things you need to look for. Oh, and the last one is how satisfied the caregiver is with the routine. So are you happy with it? No, I he's going to be four. I think he should probably start using a fork soon. You it, know, so the parent right, is now, yeah. now, a year ago when they were here, they were fine with him eating with his fingers. You know, they had other concerns, other priorities. And so it's so that awesome. That we are looking at what is a priority and a concern for the family. Instead of us looking through our little professional lens and saying, oh, based on milestones, he should have X, Y, and Z skill. Well, guess what? The family isn't concerned about all of those, right? Right. So we focus on what the family is Mm -hmm. and what their priorities are and what they're concerned about. So that's why in early intervention, we don't leave homework. We shouldn't be using that word. We create a joint plan. a a joint plan at the end of every visit Mm -hmm. and i know we've talked about this in a previous podcast episode but i end every session with based on what we've talked about or practiced today what do you want to focus on until i come back next week yeah i think we
0: did that in the role play kind of one yeah i think we did i was thinking maybe we should do another one of those where where i could be like a parent that's not experienced with previous children Mm, you know mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and you know, yeah, maybe we I think could that's a good go idea. Go through those scenarios.
1: I think that's a good idea because leaving homework, and you said this earlier, Jim, indicates the parent has to do something extra. Because that's extra. what homework yeah. is. So I will say, as um, a mom of three children, and Aaron, you know, mm-hmm. is autistic, and so we had. Um, uh, uh, you know, th- special things we were supposed to be doing with him to mm-hmm. enhance his learning and development. And it feels like some days you just barely have enough time to get done what absolutely has to be done. Get the kids fed, get them bathed, you know, get the groceries, you know, grocery shopping done, whatever. Do your progress notes if you're a therapist, all these things. And then you're like, oh, but wait, we have to do more homework. Right. So that's the advantage well, of doing routines based. Well, we don't do extra. We embed.
0: And I think that the, the important thing, too, to think about is like... You know when we used to do these things with our children it was kind of something we looked forward to or something we were you know happy about doing you know or was a part of our routine naturally to include it was, them yeah to, to to do these things like read and, and oh, all these other sure. things uh-huh. you know uh-huh. so i mean it, it wasn't a stretch for us to do this if it's but if it's something that is completely out of left field or, right, you know, right. not on your list of priorities mm-hmm. and that now you're force- forcing that into your day,
1: mm-hmm.
0: it could seem awkward and, and, you know.
1: Well, and that's why we don't get follow through. Doesn't, doesn't work. To be honest with you, is because parents don't experience success during that interaction, that mm-hmm. forced interaction with the child to work quote unquote, work on a new skill, the child doesn't, you know, uh, maybe have a positive experience. So the parent is like, I'm not going to do that again. You know, that didn't work for us. And so they back away, they pull away and they start expecting you as the therapist to do more because it doesn't work when I try to work with him. So we need to stop using that word work. So, um, and another term for routines based intervention is embedded intervention, Mm -hmm. right? So it means the same thing. You're going to embed it into already existing routines. So the way I want to wrap this up is I want to do the math. I think sometimes doing the math is the easiest way to see that routines-based uh, embedded intervention is most effective. So let's say we take the routine of diaper changing. Let's say we have a toddler and we're talking about diaper changing. So let's say I ask you as the parent, about how many times per day do you change you know, your child's diaper? And I don't know. What do you think, parents? Five? Five, let's six. Say, yeah, let's say five times a day. Let's just go with that nice uh-huh. number. Okay, okay. So let's say we embed a strategy for following one-step directions into that routine. Because as the parent, one of your big concerns is your, your son doesn't follow directions, even mm-hmm. routine directions, right? So sure. it's it's really um, um, difficult. And you're concerned about that. So... If you change his diaper five times per day, and there are seven days in a week, we do the math, five times seven, that's 35 learning opportunities per week following a direction like get the wipes, you know, bring Mm -hmm. me a diaper, throw it in the trash, right? We would actually come up with maybe two or three, you know, uh, uh, um, directions that you you could give your child. So we take 35 times a week, times an average of four weeks in a month, that's 140 learning opportunities per month. Do you believe me? The math. You're looking did, at my numbers you, like I
0: did. You add that up before or are you just. Oh no, I just calculator. The fly? Oh no, I don't do any um, math on the I was fly. I No, like, you were going to be impressed. Darn, I, like... I should
1: have said yes. That's just right off the top of my head. I know that 30 times times 35 times four is 140. But no, I had that math figured out. So you have 140 learning opportunities per month for the child to practice following a simple one-step direction. Do you think that's going to be more effective than me as the early intervention provider coming four times a month? once a week, Mm -hmm. and working on following a one-step direction during the session. So do you see how 140 is more than four, right, opportunities? I'm pretty sure Well, you know,
0: when I step back and I look at it, 140, (laughs) four. Yes. Um... Yes. Yes, I see. I see that there's a difference there.
1: And it's a huge difference. And so that's the point we want to send to our families is that um, most of the learning for your child happens in between early intervention sessions, not during the session. The session itself is for identifying the family's priorities and Mm -hmm. concerns for their child. It is for the provider to help um, identify some strategies that are going to be effective. And Mm -hmm. then together, the family and the provider determine which routine we should embed those strategies in into based on the family's routine that in a nutshell is routines based intervention sounds good all right very good guys thanks for listening to another episode Mm -hmm. of slp talk show if you're enjoying the podcast we would really appreciate you leaving a five-star review and of course send your feedback uh we'd also love for you to tell us if there are any topics you'd be interested in us covering in the Mm -hmm. future like taking requests don't you think
0: yeah, we might do an off-topic one.
1: Oh, yeah. You guys, stay tuned because I'm just going to go... At, can I tell them what it's going to be? Sure. Because I've been bugging Jim about this. Uh, we have a family fantasy football league. And mm-hmm. I am a dummy when it comes to fantasy football. And yet, I love it so much. Like, I really want to understand you know, it better.
0: To, to Not to... Calling a question what you just said, but you did finish higher than me last year. I did. Year.
1: Oh, well, thank you for bringing I was in first place for until playoffs, and then I screwed up in the playoffs. But, yeah, I well, had a blast. it's not about screwing up. Can it's I just... tell you why I did so well? Because I had Josh Allen as my quarterback.
0: Yeah. He was amazing. And, and I had Cooper and, Cup. And you had Cooper Cup. So, anyways,
1: I think yeah. we're going to do an off-topic. Uh, on. Um, I'm going to ask Jim questions about how to do a really – like well-planned out fantasy football draft because yeah, our draft you is You played in soon. in that
0: league, which mm-hmm. I'm the commissioner of, mm-hmm. and then I played in four other leagues besides that. So yeah. it's kind of it's your you thing. Know, it's kind of a thing for me. It is.
1: So we're gonna we're gonna do that next time. So if you're interested in hearing us uh, go back and forth about fantasy football, uh, stay tuned for the next episode. Yeah, I
0: think you're just gonna pick my brain. Right? I am just
1: gonna pick your brain. You're okay. gonna tell me and make me smart,
0: but not smart enough to be me.
1: Well, I'm hoping you will give away your little secret. So. <laughs> Anyways, guys, thanks for listening. Until we meet again, cheers.